I imagine that if someone was an artist with far more skills than I have, you could paint a, a really good series of pictures of the experiences of Jonah. So then since you get the image, I suppose, of where we begin, of this man sitting in the belly of a fish with the accumulated flotsam and jetsam of the sea all around him, the water seemingly coming up and down, and, and you sense this pitiful, pitiful man. Now let's just pause there and remind ourselves that this is a metaphor. We're not suggesting that Jonah was really swallowed by a fish, because I think that's unlikely, but it fits in with the ancients' view of the sea. The reason the Black Sea is called the Black Sea is because the people from the, the Dardanelles and the surrounding area recognised the fear in the sense of launching out into the unknown. They thought that sea monsters, leviathans, lived in the midst and the middle was a deep, black, dangerous place. So for the ancients, listening to this story, the image of Jonah being swallowed would resonate. We, with our scientific sensibilities, need to pause and see that this is a metaphor in its day would have spoken to the people who first heard this story. And in a way, if we see it as a metaphor, we can allow this awful image to speak to us here this morning as we continue with Jonah. Last week, we recognised, as Rachel led the service, that um, the sailors are the heroes of chapter one because they do their utmost to save Jonah and then when they throw him overboard, they pray to Jonah's God, to Yahweh, that Jonah might be saved. And their prayer, of course, is answered. Jonah himself, of course, is far from being a hero in the midst of the way in which the story unfolds. But chapter two, in a way, allows us to see a change in Jonah. It doesn't make him perfect. When we come to chapter four, you will hear him whinging once again, as Jonah was inclined to do, but it, he comes to an important realization and in a way offers us a picture of something of the journey of faith, what it is to be a man or woman of God and where God is with us in the midst of what we experience. So we'll listen to Jonah's prayer, to Jonah's psalm, with a bit of help from Psalm 84, and we will distill something of its wisdom. The first thing we need to talk about is seaweed. I confess to you, I am not a lover of beaches. First, there is sand, and putting your feet on sand is horrible, and it gets into absolutely everything. And then if you go for a walk, this sand is littered with shells, normally almost an impenetrable, impenetrable layer as you walk towards the sea and you have to walk on them and it's not an even less pleasant experience than walking on sand. And then if you go into the water and don't look where you're going, you put your foot in the middle of a clump of seaweed and its tentacles grab hold of you and it's a wretched, miserable experience. 
I'm a one-man advert for a beach holiday. So when, when Jonah speaks with this great phrase about seaweed being tethered round his head, or wrapped round it, some versions say, I can sympathise with the man, because seaweed has that quality of lure that you really don't particularly want to have to deal with. It brings to mind, with another one of those artistic images, just how awful it must have been sat in the belly of that fish. And Jonah, I suppose in good Old Testament style, begins his prayer with a lament, with a cry from the depths of his experience to the God who is out there somewhere. It is a deeply personal cry of this man who'd set off for Tarshish, who was going to the other side of the world rather than where God wanted him to go, and having been thrown overboard and swallowed by the fish, he begins in the midst of that awful scene to rebuild his life and rebuild his relationship with God. So firstly, you hear the angry cry. You hurled me into the depths, Jonah says. He talks about being banished to the roots of the mountain. He talks about the engulfing waters before he gets the seaweed clinging to him for dear life. He talks about how he is sinking to the roots of the mountains. How his life is ebbing away. This is not Jonah having a whinge as he is prone to do. This is Jonah in the depths of despair probably in the bleakest place of his experience and from that place he cries out to God. It is a picture of raw human emotion of a man who cannot imagine anything worse than where he currently is. It speaks as we all know, of the fact that at times life is tough. At times it is excruciating. In a way, Jonah here is offering an image to, to us of how we respond to mental health, health issues today. And to recognise that for people this picture of despair, this picture of depression is part of reality. We all, in a way, go through it to varying degrees. But this story of Jonah reminds us, I suppose, of our need to be compassionate to those who are suffering. Not in some physical sense, but because of the battles that are going on in here, in the same way that you sense Jonah, almost battling with himself here. Part of himself feeling that this is the end, and part of him trying to find some hope that will enable him to emerge into a better place. 
he shares the sense of bleakness of the psalmist who is far away from Jerusalem in exile and longs to be there but knows that he can't but in a sense conveys it in a more positive way but there is there too this great sense of longing for things to be different for the weather to change for the scenery to become more pleasant the image of this man sitting in a fish is in a way an image of something of the struggles of faith that we all go through the times when we feel God is very remote when we wonder whether God is there where the seaweed comes and wraps itself round us Jonah is a very human prophet there is warts and all and a few more additions with the way that Jonah's picture is painted it reminds of our need to be in solidarity with those who are suffering I remember my first appointment having um, a Sierra Leone minister on placement with me and going to see one of my folk who was bipolar and sitting there with her and this guy and we came out and he said to me what on earth is wrong with that woman why doesn't she just pull herself together and you have to say just hold on a minute think about what you're saying life isn't like that Jonah reminds us that life at times can seem cruel and barbarous and that when it's like that we need to try and come alongside those who are battling and not offer them platitudes but seek to offer them something that will help them journey through to offer as our call to worship reminders is a hope for those whose spirits are crushed so there is seaweed but the seaweed is overcome by the chink of memory if you go to our chapel in Hetton at night in winter and come out of it you can hardly see beyond the end of your nose it's a bit like going into a dungeon when they switch the lights off and leave you there and once the screens have abated you get a sense of that darkness about which you can do nothing the advantage of coming out of Hetton though is that occasionally a car will go past and it will at least for a few steps help you see your way as you cling on for dear life to try and get to your car because you foolishly left your torch at home or whatever it may be that's a bit like where Jonah is he's sitting in the belly of the fish he's delivered this heartfelt plea and then at least in his mind's eye the chink of hope begins to emerge he's cried out he's taken stock and then his prayer changes because suddenly in the midst of all this horror he begins to remember God he turns his thoughts in the way the psalmist does towards the temple toward the place where God dwells towards the the center of the faith that he espoused because we know because chapter 1 told us that in spite of everything Jonah was a man of God and in this bleak and desperate place this little chink of light
allows Jonah to recognize his error because he knows he's made a mistake, but to sense, importantly, there is a way through. There's not an offer of a, a sugar-coated pill. There's no immunity from what Jonah has done wrong. But there is the beginnings of hope as Jonah remembers God and remembers the way that God has been true to his promises. And Jonah begins to see that with God, the journey will be better, will be easier. It won't necessarily be easy but God being there with him will give him a picture of hope. It's a bit like the psalmist when he talks about going into what in some versions he call the, the valley of Baca, this valley of dry places, this imaginary place that is barren beyond belief, arid beyond belief. And what happens when water begins to descend upon it and the desert comes to life? Jonah is at that point where from the blackness he begins to see some colour as something new and hopeful begins to emerge because in his deepest, darkest moments, he recognizes that God hasn't abandoned him, but that God is there with him. It's consistent with the biblical picture that's there of how God is with us in the midst of the grim things of life as well as in the midst of the good things of life. We just need to recognise that and, in a sense, cling on to that belief. In that belly of that fish, in that desolate place, Jonah begins to live anew, begins to see things in a different way, begins to move away from the place of exile into a place of hope as he finds the patience of God waiting for his return, as in the depths of his experience, he discovers God is there with him and something hopeful can then emerge. Because thirdly, and importantly, we move to what the Revised English Bible described as victory. Other versions talk about salvation. In that putrid, dank, wretched place that we can only begin to imagine what it must have been like, Jonah reminds himself of the news of salvation, of the news of victory. The Jonah who ends up sitting on that beach, surrounded by the debris, of the whale's stomach, the fish's stomach, knows something of salvation. Because he realises from that dark and desolate place that his hope is in the victory that God has achieved. So that salvation can come to the arid lands of the Psalmist Valley. Salvation can come to the misery and depths of the pit. Salvation can come to that water-filled, dark prison in which Jonah was encased. He is a poor prophet. He's not a great man of God. 
He's not a hero of the faith. Far from it. He has his questions, his doubts, his uncertainties, his battles, like the rest of us. But in this moment, he realises and knows that God offers him victory, offers him salvation. He's not anticipating being spewed out onto the beach. He's sitting there, in a sense, facing impending death, but he realises that actually he has no reason to fear. And so, in the depths of that belly, Jonah comes to a point where, one, he praises God, but he does it, secondly, with a great sense of humility. He doesn't deserve this, but God offers it to him freely. It's the message of grace that's part of our Christian self-identification. It's the recognition that when we get it wrong and realise and recognise that and seek forgiveness, God in grace says to us, okay, pick yourself up, dust yourself down, life begins again. And so when Jonah is spewed onto that beach, <coughs> from that chaotic scene, Life emerges. And as we'll see next week in chapter 3, he goes to Nineveh and the phenomenal happens. From this place of being in abject misery, the spectacular emerges. Because Jonah realises that God speaks the words of salvation to him. Jonah 2 reminds us that life at times can be wretched. And it encourages, I suppose, to be with those who are sitting in their equivalent to the fish's belly. It reminds us that the memory of hope is there and we need to see and hear and respond. And it speaks of how from even in the darkest places the news of salvation can be heard and responded to. The key thought of Jonah too here, I suppose, is to rest in God, to trust and believe in the beauty of hope. So that when we are sat on a beach, surrounded by debris, with seaweed entwined around us, we know that life will get better. When we're sat in the darkness of the fish's belly, we know that because of what God has promised us, life will get better. 
we know that in the struggles of this life, that the hope that God gives us of what is to come says that life will get better. And if nothing else, this second chapter of Jonah says to us, when we are feeling rough, God promises us life will get better. And ultimately, in that heavenly realm, life will be beyond our imagining. Amen.